everybody. Did you know? Did you know that you're listening to the Boy Hattie Podcast with me, your friend Annie? Hey, and with your other friend Bill. We're your best buds here to jibber jabber about some pop culture. And now garbage. that Annie is fixed, kind of fixed the RSS I'm, feed? Oh. Dude, I don't I'm I've hit it with a hammer every way I know how to hit it. What do you mean kind of fixed? Just, uh, according to Daniel the Grumpy Turtle Rudis, who is my co-host on the my other podcast. Blah, 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 uh-huh. No, uh, he says uh for some reason his feed started re-updating but won't update past episode 209 this is episode 215 but other people i did hack on it iTunes just for the grumpy turtle i was like i put in a grump anti-grumpy <laughs> that turtle. guy no <laughs> he's trying to usurp us but with yeah, his fucking tardy the party I bullshit no anyway what is more interesting than talking about technical problems why don't no we just everyone's thing. moving to soundcloud anyway just say fuck it go find us on soundcloud i don't think soundcloud has an rss feed i don't think so i think the idea is that you just upload your file to soundcloud i don't know because peace and, and watch you just out. listen to it on the web no, I, get, I think there's a soundcloud app is there? The o- literally the only thing I've ever used SoundCloud for is listening to um, CVS bangers. And okay. that is it. See, I am so deeply, profoundly entrenched in iTunes, which I know less and less people are using I, all the I, I, I'm not even on that ecosystem anymore. Really? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Everyone's trying to get away from it or has gotten away with it. But I live in, like, all my products are Mac products. My housemate, he fixes Macs for a living. And so we're deeply entrenched. We got the Apple TVs and stuff. And it still works for me. Yeah. But I could totally see anyone else. Because all I do with the Apple stuff is watch movies that I've stolen from an internet dumpster and uh, listen to, like, podcasts, which is really, I don't know. It's, it's I don't need anything. And, like, I like I don't have to worry about, like, I don't, like, I work from home, so I'm not worried about, like, what stuff's going to work with my phone and I have to worry about it being an Android as opposed to, you know, that's it. Anyway. Technical problems, super interesting. But you kind of fix stuff, so hopefully we've got a couple more listeners this week than usual. It's funny because I guess we our RSS feed had been busted for months, and I didn't know this until you told me like like a couple weeks ago. You're like, oh, well, our listeners kept telling us. Did you, you just no? Yes, our listeners kept telling us, and you just did have they? the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> I thought it was just like, I'm sorry, listeners, I love you. <laughs> it's um, nothing personal. Hey, Bill, tell me about Far Cry Primal. Far Far Primal, I beat it. How far are you in the Far Far Cry Primal? Uh, I still haven't recruited all the people to my tribe. Because my thing with the Far Cry congratulations, game, that's the whole story. Once you I recruit know, the last person, they have beaten the game. Yeah. Uh, I I because my thing with Far Cry Primal is with this sort of open worldy game, all I want to do is find collectibles and explore. That's all this game is. There's Which barely is, that's any all story because you know, you're just collecting people. Yeah. Well, like what was the last thing you did in the story? Uh, I mean, you can attack story. things in different order, uh, so that yeah, it's exactly. Not like a it's all story, kind of but, relative. Yeah. I recruited the warrior guy because I want to get the beast rider capability. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I've mostly just been. Who's the warrior guy? Like the big, uh, like the the big Neanderthal guy. Uh, I've not met a big Neanderthal guy, okay. other than ones I have killed. There's a second in charge. Was it the Udam or the bad guys in that yes. game? Yes, there's the Udam and what the Iyana or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I beat the game. Uh, I only put I only quote unquote put like twenty hours into the game. It's not bad. It's just kind of slight. It's a, it is it's a good. It is it's a it is I this is the first time I've heard anyone uh, re- refer to a game as this, but it totally makes it. It's, it's a supplemental mm-hmm. game in the series. It's all I really need from a Far Cry game though. Well, I it's all the barest nutrients. Well, I may may have mentioned this last week. You can totally tell that the genesis of the, this game it was everyone sitting around saying, "What assets do we have from other Far Cry games that we kind of lump into a new one without having to build too much?" Well, we got a bunch of animals and we got a bunch of forest assets. And well, and people got for, 
pissed off because on Reddit this week someone pointed out that the map of the world is just totally just cut and pasted from Far Cry 4. Like, the river system and everything, it's exact. Like, the topography mm-hmm. is exactly the same. It doesn't look quite the same because, you know, they put different trees and stuff yeah. everywhere, so you really can't tell just, like, by walking around. But, yeah, if you just, like, glue all the p- bits of the map together and compare it to Far Cry 4, it's exactly! Like, the river system and everything, like, yeah. Which, again, you'd, like, you wouldn't notice that until someone pointed out, but still. Do they ever go to a weird sex place in this game? Just answer yes or no. What what qualifies as weird sex? Well, place? no, because I was you, playing... you and I are definition of weird Excuse sex me. place. Do they go to a sex place in this game? This is the first Far Cry game I've ever played where you don't have sex with a brown lady. <sighs> There's that's a thing in these games where you're usually the white Thanks, guy. Bill. Thanks for taking it to a different place. You know that in the last Far no, Cry game no you weren't a white thing. guy, right? Well, the, you know what? The sexiest thing that happens is the beginning of the game where you meet a lady. I love that you were like, she's your wife, right? Well, that's Bill- cool. A guy meets a, a guy meets a lady, this and they, they decide to make a civilization together. They decide to make a tribe, and they have no romantic or intimacy whatsoever. And you're like, "Congratulations, Annie! That's as much sex as in this." Okay. No, there's that's nothing. That's what I was wondering because I was yeah. playing this game, and uh, there was a, you should be happy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There it's was a good an insult. Well, no, I was, you know because it's like one of those things. Where it's like, do they go to the clan of the cave bear place, or do they just fucking ignore that? Because there's a point in this game where um uh you meet a dude who pisses on you, and that is how he meets you. That is the most sexual. Well, the fact that you see a little bit of his like digitized penis for half a second that is the sexiest thing but when that, that happened happen, i was like god but then i was thinking i was like well you know if you're telling Did that turn you on a little bit that i wait yes that's there? exactly what i was trying to say bill thanks for listening to the rest of my thought i was like well you know i was like okay so if it's a primitive culture and you're making these broad strokes of who people are based on kind of like their basest instincts or basest actions it is kind of surprising it doesn't show up exactly that's yeah. why i was like oh my god they're gonna go to uncomfortable games. like they're gonna do a weird uncomfortable sex they thing just, and i was so grateful Especially because there's vision quests in this game, and and these games always end up like the last couple of games have always been like you end up have you're a white guy who has na- well no in Far Cry Four you were actually That's what I had said earlier, but you still you end up having me. sex with a quote unquote like native lady and there's like some kind of like it's you know and she's inducting you into becoming sure. the leader by having well, sex my, with Far like, Cry conquering her means you also conquer the Far village. Cry has always had a clumsy relationship with sex this one Video someone it really feels like someone said we could should we do a sex and someone's like let's not even you know a we don't have to spend the money on making the sex scene. B, we got yelled at every time we've ever had a sex scene in this game, so let's not even do it this time. It's like in Assassin's Creed uh, Syndicate, where they're in ye olde England, and they just don't deal with prostitutes. Granted, they saved it for the DLC, but it was like... <laughs> was a, that the Jack Brothers? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was, I was still like, you know what? Thank you for having a female character who is at no point sexually assaulted, where her sex, sex or sexuality isn't really treated like a thing beyond the cutest, sweetest flirting with the dude. Yeah. And, like, it's just not a big deal. And I was so grateful for it because is it quote-unquote unrealistic? Of course. But that's it's also unrealistic to be able to, like, climb fucking buildings for 15 hours straight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it, it's so sad that a male power fantasy is usually about being enabled and, like, being strong and being tough. And a woman's power fantasy is, what if I went a week without being assaulted or belittled <laughs> in some way? So, anyway, thank oh, you, Far Cry Primals, for Speaking that Speaking of female power better. fantasy, did you see the cover of this week's Entertainment Weekly? With the Outlander cover that I keep getting made fun of by people who come over to my house and see what's in my bathroom. Bill, I do not <laughs> read magazines, much less... It's I'm- Outlander! It's sexy! 
And here, I'm going to look for it now. This is everybody's favorite part of the podcast when what? I Google what Bill is because talking about. Because they were in Caveman Scotland, now they're in, they're in Sexy Caveman France. Scotland. Wait, they're in France now? Yeah, because they have to go to Paris, France to stop the Kylan War of 1789, according to the article. Entertainment Weekly is fucking horrible, but awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, Far Cry, um... There is, um... There's a very cool, uh, there's a couple cool story things in, towards the end of Far Cry I really like. It's hard to talk about this stuff. Oh my point. god, that's the cover of this week's uh, Entertainment Weekly? That's why I keep on getting everyone. Keep of course, people, it's like, it's a, it's penetration. <laughs> oh, did you see the other photos from that session in there? No, I'm there's just- There's one I, where her titty hanging out, I was like, that's actually kind of, how you doing? I don't know, I've seen that show. I don't realize that, I think that guy must be photoshopped, because he's not that barrel-chested even on the show. But now he looks like Donkey Kong in those photos. I did I tell you that when I went to Texas, my sister made me watch the sex scene. You had mentioned I can't remember if you mentioned this on the show. Wait, just the sex scene? Just the sex scene. Wait, just the sex scene. Was, that night we watched she showed me just the sex scene from your Outlander. Opinion on? And uh See, I, I watched her the show. I, I watched the first two episodes and I realized it was not for me. It's technically not bad, but it's not good either. Yeah, it's just not for me. There's yeah. not enough salient nutrients, and I'm not attracted to any of the men except for really, um, except well, for what's his butt face. from Uncharted. Yeah. he's the only one I'm attracted to. Yeah. He's one of the uh, the the Charlie Cutter. Yeah, he's one the of the hobbits I'm attracted too. to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, fucking Bill, what were you actually talking about? Talking about four crow. We're talking, you know, we're talking about titties and Outlander. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's a the best character. Did you have you run across? Was it Erky? He's the I redneck? remember all of their names. I know, exactly. Uh, <laughs> did you run across, like, the hillbilly redneck jackass character no. in Far Cry Park? He's the best character in the whole game. He's this guy. What you is first, his specialty? His specialty? Uh, he does, eventually, if you do beat his, you know, do all of his his, his missions, he does join your village. But the point is, he d- d- teaches you nothing. He's an idiot. Oh. Uh, the first time you run across him, he's just, like, this random caveman living out in the woods. And uh-huh. he, you run across him, and he's like, hey, could you, I'm trying to learn how to fly. Could you uh, get me some feathers? <laughs> I'm spoiling the first mission. Anyway. Actually, okay. I shouldn't even keep on playing the game. You tell me about this game. You'll know who exactly who I'm talking about because I don't yeah. even spoil. It, it's it's charming. This the one big comic relief character in the game yeah. is actually very cute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's like a second command Neanderthal character in the game, and the way his story wraps up, he ends up joining your village. You know, because mm-hmm. all the characters end up joining your mm-hmm. village in the game. The way his story wraps up, I thought it was kind of nice. It was the mm-hmm. one dramatic element in the game that I thought was interesting, mm-hmm. other than. I'm gonna call her your fake wife just <laughs> no. to piss you off, which is cool. I love it. It piss you off. It's just like you're. I love how you're like, you know, like you're trying to distance yourself <laughs> from this stuff, even as you're like, I met a woman. <laughs> I don't so. know exactly. Well, it doesn't help that I think she's hot because she's a cool character. She's kind of biracial with freckles, and she got her half no, her head. Calling shape. them all, but they're literally. All just what is it? What is it from uh, Broad City Caramel Colored? <laughs> like it's just and they're technically my, barely uh, human. My too, favorite right? lady is the hunter lady. She's my favorite lady. Which one's the hunter lady? She's the hunter. She's got her, the two dudes, the two bros who back her up. Oh, that's when she right, first yeah. meets you, she like shoots an arrow in between your net legs. I'm like that. She one. disappears once you do her stuff in the game. She's just kind of she's in your, she's village, in your village, but she doesn't yeah. do it. Like I wish, I wish some of the characters would narratively become a thing later on in the game. Yeah. But no, once you're part of your village, it's like collecting Pokemon. It's because yeah, video games don't know how to do an ensemble cast. Well, especially this is a budget game too, so yeah. it's. But to be fair, this is something endemic of all video games, where it's like it's like the fucking yeah. Grand Theft Auto model, where it's like friends are friends until you're done with them, and then they're done. Yeah, ensembles are hard. I'm trying to think. Is there a game with a good ensemble cast i guess the saints well there's the characters could be good but in terms of how they're used yeah yeah 
Like, no, I'm, that's the nice thing with Mass Effect, because even once you've, like, done everyone's, like, loyalty missions, they'll still come back and be part of the plot. But even then, Mass Effect, mostly those characters, like, if you take them out in the world... Yeah, there's, like, there's a pretty very... good ensemble versus how that ensemble is used. Because, uh, by definition, I think of an ensemble as characters who interact with each other almost as much as they interact with you. Well, exactly, yeah. And that's hard Well, that's hard for a video game, because the, yeah. the video games are, by nature, you-centric. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Like, you're never going to run across... Like, Animal Crossing, sometimes you'll see the villagers kind of talking to each other when you're not there, and even then, that's kind of a freaky moment, because it's like... This place is haunted. These characters actually have independent <laughs> thought aside from what when I'm not there. They actually like you're do stuff. Ghosts. <laughs> you just want to murder them because why are you, ta- are you talking about me? Uh, the other big thing I did this week was um, so I bought the new Fire Emblem. I bought the yeah, special, you bought the edition, special edition for eighty dollars. Uh-huh. Uh, technically, on Amazon was only sixty-seven dollars, but still, I've played like like six hours. It's not bad. But then Super Mario World came out for the 3DS this yeah. week. I'm playing the shit. That totally. Well, I was kind of like, kind of forcing myself to like the new Fire Emblem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New a fucking Super Mario World. You have to buy yeah. it new just because I've bought it on Virtual Console sure. for everything else. And Nintendo still doesn't do the thing where like, there's no cross buy or anything yeah. like that. So I still had to drop another eight bucks. This is like the 18th time I've bought Super Mario yeah. World. But it's fun. I it's fun to like. I never really liked Super Mario World as much as I like the eight bit games. Yeah. But man, fucking Super Mario World on a DS on the go and like super sharp resolution. Yeah. This pixel per- it's fucking. And just the music and everything. Bill like likes to whenever I come over try to ply media to me and ply me with media and I'm always like yeah whatever because you're always like I, I'm bored I don't like anything I'm like well try this <laughs> try that here yeah but Bill was like oh I've got Super Mario and before he even finished I take the DS from his hands and started playing it like you can totally borrow the 3DS because uh, my first Bar real week. my first real I won't play any my first real console was a Super Nintendo yeah. and my mom my sister and I all played Super Mario like those were that was one of the first that was the only console game that my mom would play on her own without me yeah even so I I remember my sister and I taking turns playing that game like uh-huh. it was it was a huge thing for us. So well, I'm actually we need gonna have to, to call my we sister. Need to buy your mom and your sister new 3ds's with Super Mario World. and you can kind of voice chat like you Google. Chat You're with making each other. a joke. I 100 as soon as I started playing it that was the Not first so thought serious. I had. You could, like, you know. I was like I should totally buy them 3ds's and send them this game. That should yeah. be my Christmas. And you guys can with. talk to each other, hang out, and be yeah. like kind of like reliving like the you know like 1993 Reliving all over my again. childhood. Um. So yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah. The pixel perfect thing makes it like really razor sharp because it's the native resolution mm-hmm. of what the Super Nintendo... We just wanted to see like how if you present like mm-hmm. a Super Nintendo game pixel by pixel what it mm-hmm. should look like. It's mm-hmm. the size of like a postcard. Yeah. You know, we're used to watch playing on a I remember TV, that being but... so beautiful. Yeah. It's such a beautiful game and the music's so good. Yeah. But the music is good. Like, music da, da, is da, da, really da, good. Da, 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 da. Well, it's yeah. one of the first video games where because the Super Nintendo had such a great sound chip that it was one of the first video games I ever played where they tried to approximate like real world instruments because yeah. you got like the banjo music. Yeah, and, yeah. Like my, one of my favorite bits of video game music in history is when you die and you get the game over. It's, it's that kind of like amusement park at night winding down music. Uh-huh. Like dun, dun, dun. I can't remember what the melody is, but it's, it's yeah, I know that good. It's a real yeah. world. Such a good game. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why something about it being on 3DS and portable is so much more entertaining than actually having on the big screen because I, it's, I like, I've got it on the Wii U. I could fire it up on here. That's the thing. You can borrow this, and I could still play Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. Super Mario World. Um, but yeah, no, it's a fucking good. Um, the one other thing I did this week, um, because Jimmy and Conley keep on coming over every Sunday night to watch mm-hmm. um, Brothers. Adventure Brothers. Conley was raving about last week's episode of Star Wars Rebels, so I decided to catch up with Conley because I want to talk about Star Wars Rebels with Conley, mm-hmm. even though Star Wars Rebels is terrible. Mm-hmm. And I caught up last night in the actual call 
last couple of episodes were actually kind of good. Yeah. You've heard me, like, go off about Star Wars Rebels before, yes. but the main best character in the whole show is the pilot lady. It's, you know, because it's about a crew of mm-hmm. space pirates. Mm-hmm. The only character worth a damn is the main pilot. She's a green-skinned, temple-headed lady. You, you describe this as if I know or recognize any of the characters. Yeah, <laughs> see, Star Wars, they always have tentacle-headed ladies. A Twi'lek. She just Twi'leks. I yeah. know what a Twi'lek is. She's one of those. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the next to last episode uh, had a thing where she goes back to her home planet and her father... Uh, as it actually turns out to be a character from the old Clone Wars cartoon that this mm-hmm. is kind of an extension of. And he's like this rebel leader on that planet, but mm-hmm. she doesn't get along with him because they have all kinds of issues. But it's great because her voice actress is just like a random American lady. She's like, she has a great uh, voice actress, this Hera mm-hmm. character. Uh, but she gets into an argument with her dad, and her dad has this French accent. Because when he was created for the uh, Clone Wars cartoon that preceded this, they were kind of trying to do like a French resistance thing. Um. So they gave him like a French, like, v- like not Vichy, but like, you know, French resistance kind of thing. And so she's getting an argument with her dad, which is funny because she's got an American accent. Mm-hmm. But when she gets angry at her dad, she lips slip for the first time that she's her native accent is actually a French accent. Because when she gets angry with her dad, she's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh! great little bit she's the only character that i care about and like like uh, the first time they've actually had any real character shading about her is getting mm-hmm. her angry with her dad and she's got this like you find out that this american accent she's had this whole time is an affectation mm-hmm. i was like damn that's cool a little bit of character stuff so it was a little, yeah i i don't know why i continue to torture myself by watching this show because it's super childish and badly written and the character designs are kind of uh, boom boom but yeah, just that. Hera. I love Hera. So much last night after seeing that episode, I went back on Amazon to see if they've come up with any more, like, Hera action figures or, or anything. There's really nothing out there. I'm Aww, super bummed. But... I'm sorry, Bill. She's cool. She's the pilot, and she's the only adult on this show. Yeah. She's the only one who's like, oh, my God. Princess Leia showed up in an episode, and they didn't do anything with it. She just shows up. Oh, this is one of the terrible things. So Princess Leia shows up from one episode of the Star Wars Rebel show, and this is supposed to take place, like, five years before the first Star Wars movie. And I guess because, so I guess in the first Star Wars movie, Leia is like 19 years old. And so I guess she's 14 in the series because it takes place five years before. And the main character of Rebels is this 14-year-old kid who's learning to be a Jedi. But he's always this like petulant little shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a moment where she's first introduced and she says, hey, okay, I'm the leader of this resistance. We have to go do this. He starts getting upset that he has to take orders from a girl. But she's the leader of the fucking resistance. He's this random scrub. She's the leader when she's 14 years old. That's kind of insinuating. Well, she's at least one of the major leaders. By the time of Star Wars, she seems to be... Well, I guess even in Star Wars, she's not the leader because you've got Mon Mothma and stuff like that. But and it, this still really doesn't make any sense because even as a 14-year-old girl, it seems to be weird that she would be she's a leader. She's got a thing going on. Kind of a little bit. It is really hard for me. But when you said... In the first movie, Princess Leia is 19. I literally couldn't believe it. Why? And the reason why, I suddenly, as you were talking, I was tuning you out mostly and thinking, um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the, <laughs> no, you're uh, not kidding. That's the thing, yeah. No, no. Uh, the, it, made me, it suddenly made me realize I don't think of Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, or Princess Leia as having an age. Yeah. Because when I was young, they seemed so much older and more mature than me. No, Han Solo's only supposed to be, like, 14. I, he's actually a kid, <laughs> but he's got, like, some kind of weird thing where he's got a he's, little... He's an embryo, actually, <laughs> yeah. Whole movie, you never notice. No, he just lived a harder life. Even now, I like. Are they supposed to be young and petulant? Well, there's not supposed. You're not really supposed to think of an age. Yeah. The only thing that really ties them down is when the first movie came out. People were like, "How old are these characters supposed yeah. to be?" And George Lucas came out and said, "Like Luke is supposed to be 19." 
Han's supposed to be like a, like older, like ten years older, like an older brother. So he's supposed to be like twenty nine, thirty, and Leia's supposed to be like sixteen. Of course, he changed that when he of when course. he made them brother and sister. But I, but it is kind of like yeah, you're not really thinking about how old is they. Well, also because they all just seem so much older than me. Because yeah. I was, you know, I watched Star Wars when I was a little. Imagine, kid. You are older than Han Solo now. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! I was, I was uh, so Joshin, ah! my housemate. He's been playing Firewatch this weekend too, yeah. and so I've been watching. I didn't realize the main character in Firewatch. I'm technically a year older than that guy and yeah. he's supposed to be this older slump who's gone through this horrible thing of having this like marriage fall apart and everything see i don't even think of him as older like as yeah. i just think of him as an adult yeah fully and i've been struggling with this media lately because we'll just like this is like i've been struggling actually i've been struggling out with this with romance novels i've been reading uh-huh. because romance novels are almost invariably written about 24 year olds and i'm like i don't want to read a book there's something about, about fucking 24, 24 25 seems to be the fuckable age in society where that's like you're like, old enough you're older than teen but you're not like falling apart when you're like 29 well i get that the whole idea of it is that you're young enough and inexperienced enough that you can go through a moment of change exactly, i get yeah. that but um, there's this one author that I really liked, and I realized a couple of months ago, the reason why I like her, for many reasons, is that she tends to write about people who are at least in their late 20s, if not early 30s. Which is funny, because still, that's not that very that's old. Not that's that not that old. Like, but in, in romance novels, well. that's like fucking geriatric. I'm like, if you are actually more than a year out of college, dear Lord, are you in a retirement home? Like, that's romance novels. I'm like, you know what I like? Grown-ass adults with actual jobs who have their shit more or less figured out. And that's not the most interesting thing in their life is not what they're going to spend. How old are the characters on on, uh, Broad City? Oh, my God. It's funny you should mention this because on I think of them as roughly being my peers yeah. until this week's episode of Broad City. We have a flashback of Abby, the hot one. Uh, Abby, Which okay, it's ha- okay, so there's the hot one and the goofy week. one. Yes. Okay. Because uh, Abby's the hot one because she's got that Michelle Rodriguez thing going. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you got Zilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she, there's a moment where she's talking about her competitiveness, and we see video of her when she was a kid going crazy during like a field day exercise, and the timestamp on the camera says 2002. What? And I was like, oh my, oh my god, no. <laughs> That's like two years before you, you moved in with me. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> What? I was I was in high school in the year 2002. I was like, oh my god. I was like graduating high school. These characters, are they like 24, 25? They're supposed to be, yeah. And it totally makes sense of their characters that they're in their early to mid-20s. But it is funny how you project age onto people it or is. don't even think or, about age. Or, you know, yeah. I was like, if Vice versa. I could very easily round these characters into my life, which is maybe more telling of me, <laughs> and and I will say life in Portland, than it is of the characters themselves. Yeah. I was just like, Jesus, fuck. The only thing I did this week, really, was I watched a shit ton of Brooklyn Nine. Nine. Had you been? Had you caught up, or are you just uh, rewatching old stuff? Okay, because I'm only um, like a couple episodes out from being caught, caught up. Friend of the podcast, Jacinia came to visit last week. It was so good to see. I got to meet her there. for the first time. <laughs> Bill met her for like the eighth or ninth time. <laughs> to be fair, you keep on assuming I've never exactly. met her before. Well, no, no, no. I keep assuming you don't. You won't remember her. Once we shut down, I recognize her because she got she got recognized a full face. She's I mean, I would have not. I would have realized I'd met her before. She's got yeah. beautiful mermaid hair right now. She kind of does. Yeah. Anyway, um. Uh, Jacinia came to visit and she hooked me up with her Hulu pa- excuse me she never would because that is a violation of her terms of service but she accidentally left herself logged on her, her, her Hulu account on our PlayStation 4 so finally the hot one's 32 the other one's 28 okay just throw that for, from Rod City just throw- so, okay so you she actually is my age oh my god okay I feel okay, better so- <laughs> 
playing down to the younger view. Okay, good. Yeah, anyway, Brooklyn Well, it makes sense yeah. for the characters, like, that they're being that Oh, she okay. is cute. She, she's oh, really cute. And she's got a really nice voice. I have a big crush on her. <laughs> um, she's got excellent... The show is correct. She, she has more... the ass of an angel. <laughs> so, really? Uh, that was a line from last week. Anyway, um, the... Uh, Aww. loved it. So we've been catching up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We had seen all of season two, and we're now caught up in season three. I'm so mad because Archie Punjabi shows up. This is it. I guess this is Annie's crushes on women. Is this a super women. recent episode? Yeah. I don't think I've seen her show She was within, yet. like, last four episodes. Oh, okay, yeah. Archie Punjabi shows up, and it breaks my heart because she's just, like, a bit tiny character who disappears immediately. Is she only, like, one like, scene? No, she's in maybe two or three who scenes. Who does she play? She plays a... A person that Boyle hooks up with at police funerals. <laughs> oh, okay. I've not seen that episode yet. <laughs> but anyway, it broke my heart. But um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is great because it really has hit its stride. It found its voice. It's found all the characters' voices. The ensemble it chemistry found its is voice really good. Quickly, it though. did it's really not, quickly. There was a lot of wibble room. Well, the thing is, is that we went back and because we finished, we caught up, and then Foley and I looked at each other and we were like, "Start from the beginning." <laughs> so now we're starting from the beginning again. I. The pilot episode is fine, but it, it is interesting how um, it's pretty uh, Peralta, the primary character. They've got him nailed from the start, but the secondary characters, it takes them a while to find their voice. And in the case of Rosa, Rosa, it actually takes her a while to literally find Rosa's voice. Really? Because like in the first couple episodes, she sounds almost more like that actress's natural speaking She's voice. not putting on the... Ro- like, yeah. Yeah, she's not got the full Rosa download. Man, Rosa... All, all the lady characters on that show. Every like every time, every like there's a lady on that show. I'm like, oh, this is the hottest character. I and have a crush other... on everyone on that show, pretty much. All because they're all great lady archetypes. You got Chelsea yeah. Freddy doesn't give a fuck. You got Rosa, Chelsea who's just Freddy's great. Like character is one of my favorite. And, and uh, Gina is that in from the start too. Yeah, because she's just such a fucking weirdo. You know, she's just a, vi- a a largely a broad stroke version of Chelsea Peretti. So that makes it a lot easier. But yeah, Santiago is such a great character. And uh-huh. what I like about Santiago, Rosa, and Gina is that. Though they're all very feminine sort of characters, they're also sort of archetypes that you don't really get to see women play terribly often. And uh, it's just such a fucking Santiago good show. Kind of the uptight nerdy girl, a little but bit the way more. they take it is a little different. Like I take it to be different from because she's, well, yeah, your interpretation is gonna be different than mine. But yeah. she she sees herself as one of the guys, mm-hmm. and that makes her very different. Like not that she wants to be one of the guys. She sees herself, so she doesn't she doesn't put herself on a different footing. Yeah. And she's not as opposed too to from everyone else too much. There's kind of always a joke about like well, that's the make fun of her for being a nerd, but she's never like really ostracized from everyone Most else. Most female yeah. nerd characters are either ostracized or they're trying desperately to be join the group. Or she's the mom character kind of yeah. or like always the one. She's as much of a dipshit fuck up as anyone else even though she is a nerd, but she's yeah. But yeah, she is 100% part of the crew. The only person she really cares about impressing are authority figures. <laughs> And uh, it's just kind of an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic, dynamic, the, um, one of the showrunners and the casting director are the same people from Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, cause like, it's like Allison Jones, she is good at casting an ensemble. Cause what I love about that show is you can put literally any two characters in a scene together and it's going to be funny. Like there was one episode that we just caught up with where, um, it's Rosa who's stoic and kind of a hard ass and, uh. Uh, Captain Holt, who is a very dignified and restrained man, are talking about dealing with emotions. Yeah. And it's just such a good and funny scene. I'm st- it was like a couple of days ago, and I'm still laughing about it. Yeah, it's I just so saw that good. one. So uh, we're really good at this. <laughs> it's so good. Man, fucking anyway, Andre Brower's the captain. Oh, God. He's, just, he's one of the best characters in the I, world. Uh, for some reason, I am so... He- 
my heart is so set on him playing whatever captain is in the new Star Trek series. I know it's not going to happen. That's... He's already got his own full-time show. I was gonna but say, I he is him... a captain. Like, yeah, that's... I know, exactly. And he would just be playing the same character, except there would be no joke to it. It just, he would be stern and very cool. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Andre Brown's fucking, everyone's a Terry Crews. The Cruz cast's fucking... perfect. Even, even the main guy, Peralta. What's his face? Yeah, Andy, Andy Samberg. Samberg. Like, yeah. I did not care for him much at the sure. beginning. Because I'm yeah, like, he's same. the random white guy who gets to be the nerdy kind of main character. But like, he eventually like melts with everyone else. If anything, I think the show's kind of like sliding into a little bit of a rut, though, because it just everyone is kind of like I'm feeling the kind of same way with Bob's Burgers now, where it just every like any kind of jokey situation, you know, like Boyle's gonna talk about food or kind of like be like you know, like try to be nerdy with Peralta, you know, Rose is just gonna be tough. Like yeah, it's everyone's they, they it feels like you've you've stopped learning new things about the characters, and mm-hmm. it's everyone just kind of it's not it's not bad. But the show's been on for like a good three two or three years. It makes mm-hmm. sense, like after a while. I don't know. It's not, nothing bad. Oh sure sure sure. But it's it's it's. I, I respectfully disagree, only because I feel like they have at this point. Um, dealt with all the shitty arbitrary conflicts that they introduced to each character, which really didn't serve any... It was like, oh, then, oh, here's your conflict. Yeah. You know, and, like, they've gotten over all that, so any of the conflict is either external or the characters just naturally bumping up on each other, which I think is much more interesting than, hi, I'm this person, I have a drug addiction or something, you know, or it's like, I like that now it's just the characters genuinely bouncing off each other and the world around them. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I I just love Parks. Maybe I think it was thrown for a loop because at the beginning of this was was it the, is the third season that's the most mm-hmm. recent one mm-hmm. uh it's uh it they kind of faint the idea that the main character uh, the, the the captain character that he's gonna leave the show mm-hmm. and uh, he's replaced by another captain you think they're gonna shape shake things up which is actually you don't want because i love that, ca- that the mm-hmm. captain character don't want to get rid of him but he does like three episodes later come back and everything returns to normal and it was a little thing where, like, yeah, I wish there was a little, a little more shaking up going on from time to time. I don't, I don't know what I want, but it's, it's nothing from bad. It's a sitcom, I know it's, dude. it's a sitcom. It's static. I watched Cheers for eight years. Nothing ever changed. I was gonna say, like, like they're going. I wish they would go to a different bar. Like, I know, exactly. Like, I wish Cheers would get bought out by Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> like, and well, because we end up watching Brooklyn Nine Nine and, and Boss Burgers every week, and there's something about both shows where they're great, but they're like right and they're they, they've hit a groove. Yeah. But like. It's like a group from us. All I want from a sitcom is comfort food. Yeah, I don't know why. I know that's what I'm saying. It's one of those things where it's just kind of predictability a little bit. I don't know why I'm being kind of b- whatever b- happened b- to predictability. And, and this is what I- <laughs> did you know that I only realized that's what he's saying this week. Hi. The whole like that is of course the Which first slide for the theme song of Full House. Okay, that's what it is. Did you watch some of that? I no, I've not watched Fuller House. I, I watched- love everyone being surprised that it's terrible. <laughs> My entire ch- like we watched TGIF all the time when I was a wee-in, and we watched Full House extensively. I never knew what the fuck he was saying. Whatever happened to predictability? Well, you're a kid, you're not never like digesting it or anything. He was saying predictability. Yeah. Never knew until uh oh um on the most recent Mabim Bam. Here's our Griffin McElroy and Justin McElroy corner. On the recent Mabim Bam, uh the boys were teasing Griffin because Carly Rae Jepsen apparently did the theme song of Fuller House. Oh no! And um Griffin loves Carly Rae Jepsen, and they started talking about it. So out of curiosity, I looked up the Fuller House theme song that she did. And it was uh, subtitled, so it was a sing-along sort of thing. I was like, what the fuck do you mean, predictability? Is that what he's been saying the whole time? Uh, Are you kidding me? Did you just not know that was a word back then, or did you not even understand what he was saying? The way he enunciates it. You don't say predictability. I listen to this way. I recognize what you were singing, so at least I knew what it was. predictability. Like, that's how you say I can't even say predictability (laughs) right now. Also, how often do you hear the word predictability? 
Uh, to be fair, if someone stuck a gun to your head and said, write a song that includes the word predictability, <laughs> yeah, good fucking luck. Unless you're like Danny Kay and the Andrew Sisters. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oof. Anyway, no, I don't, oh I don't, I don't want to God. watch Fuller House. Fuller House. Uh, yeah, that's been my week. Brooklyn so, Nightmare. I heard something about, is it Stephanie? One of the characters is now a DJ. Yeah. Named yeah, DJ, DJ Tanner, Tanner. Yeah. which I thought that was hilarious. that was that was just McElroy's favorite joke on all of Full House. Oh, I, I guess I didn't even listen to that, that episode yet because yeah. I heard about that. Like yeah. someone else was talking about that. I was like, that's actually that is a stroke of fucking genius. That is um, Maxwell Lotley because he may not be familiar with our American television shows. There is a character on that show called DJ Tanner, so that her sister would take on a DJ name of DJ yeah, that's Tanner. Awesome. Exactly. Uh, Justin McElroy still call herself DJ Bill. You were asking me too many questions. Because DJ, yeah, yeah. you asked me way too many questions. <laughs> Uh, hey friends, that's enough of that garbage. We're going to take a little bit break and be back for the Geek Week interview. You know, friend of the podcast, Calamity John Morris, had a poll on Twitter. It was like, what is the ideal podcast length? And the two options were Forever? 20 to 30 minutes or 30 to 60 minutes. And I just saw that poll. And I started laughing. The podcast is only 30 minutes long. Well, there are a few. Like, there's uh, some. I love Star Wars Minute, I do. Because, I mean, granted, they're talking about a minute of each Star Wars film. That takes a lot of effort just to stretch that into a half hour conversation. But anything else. I mean, there are a lot of podcasts that are half hour long. I think it's a useful like you're only doing pop- half an hour, doesn't it seems like you're not even like trying. Norman we centuries. just talked half an hour just for the intro for this well, podcast. You, well, that was the thing. You what and I are even to talk about. You and I are chatty assholes. I was talking about a fake alien having a French accent. You were talking about predictability. <laughs> and that's all we really had to talk about for the last half hour. We're really good at fucking jibber jabber. Jesus thing. Christ. Hey, friends, did you know that this is the Geek Week interview? This is the part of our podcast where Bill has written down news from the week that was. I am often learning this is about it. Pokey news for the week. first time. So first up, uh, there is a new Ghostbusters trailer. Bill's notes are: Woo, Kate McKinnon. Also, the new HQ is in a Chinese restaurant. What do you think of the trailer? Oh, that was fine. That was cute. I'm gonna see that movie. Man. You know, it cracked in half when that trailer came out because <laughs> my Twitter timeline was cle- cleanly cleaved between "Yay!" and "What the fuck is it was, this bullshit?" Uh, uh, every single dude I know who loves Ghostbusters flipped a really? biscuit, and I it was great to watch them try real hard to say it's not because it's girls. It's just that it's not Ghostbusters. To be fair, it's not a good trailer. I, it's it was a weird trailer. It's you got you got what's her face, Melissa McCarthy. I'm goofy and I'm fat and I fall down and get hit a lot. Also, there's something really uncomfortable. It's like here are three scientists, the white lady, and here's our regular old working lady. Yeah, and she's all like, lady. "Oh hell no!" It's just kind like of... there's like that was the only part of it that made me go. Again, there's problems with that movie. That's not you, you can take the Ghostbusters thing out of it, yeah. and it's kind of like. But I will admit, watching it, I was like, I'll go see that movie. But yeah, you you, people point out, you sit down and look at, aside from Kate McKinnon's big gifable animated gif moments in that that trailer, if you just look at her in the background of all of her scenes she's in, like when when the What's-Her-Face shows up with the the fucking hearse that they're going to turn in the Ecto-1, her reaction to the Ecto-1 is hilarious.
hilarious. Yeah, she's just a really like, good yeah! face. Like, yeah. She's like the one character in that movie, just from the trailer alone. She's she's usually the one actress who's actually inhabiting that world rather than just being like, hey, I'm just being a burber. That's why I guess Kirsten Wig. She seems to be kind of like a nun. She gets barfed she's, on. She's but more she's, of the straight man in this. Yeah, which is kind of weird because she's such a But the goofy. thing is, she's really good at being the straight man. Well, though. we'll see what the. We'll see what the. Well, it's. I can see her being the Bill Murray character. Paul Feig says the main, like, dramatic central piece of the movie is her relationship with uh, Melissa McCarthy. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. And Melissa McCarthy's obviously just kind of like the goofy one and she, yeah, but I'm not used to Kirsten Wood being the straight, although she, in Bridesmaid, she was yeah, the she, straight Yeah, she's done it in yeah. lots of and that's Paul she's really Fee good at doing too. it. The thing is, is that uh, I don't give a shit about Ghostbusters. In fact, nothing makes me want to walk the other way briskly down the street <sighs> as coming across someone who was talking about Ghostbusters, only because the t- people who really want to talk about Ghostbusters, it's usually like I know the kind of conversation that I'm glad Star Wars, like, yeah, it's like that sort of like, shit. Where it's like things that I. It's enjoy. probably a guy wearing a Darth Maul shirt <laughs> and cologne. So, um, but yeah, I I admit watching that. So as the theoretically the target demographic, which is someone who doesn't really have a strong opinion about Ghostbusters, I was like, I'll go see that movie. Yeah. I'll go see that movie. Did you see weekends. the recut version that everyone did agree did. is a much better? It's only half as long. Doesn't. Well, that's one of the things about the trailer is they add. There's so many awkward comedy moments in the trailer that's. It slows down the pace of the trailer and makes the trailer itself seem kind of slow and unsure. Well, it opens with that, you know, and the that slow minor dramatic tone dun, 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 which that's not like and the and the person who recut the trailer, they just use the spooky part from the original song. That's the spooky like they essentially do the same thing but do it faster and condense it in the original song. And granted, you put the Ghostbusters original song over anything, it's going to be better. But. You have to show girls character. I want to know who these people are. I don't want to just see a bunch of flashy things. Uh, overall, yeah. I saw the I saw the recut trailer, but the first one appealed to me more. Really? Just as a person who doesn't what give a, a shit about girl. Ghost. Well, it's because like, I don't give a shit about Ghostbusters. You know what doesn't give me shivers? The Ghostbusters <laughs> Did theme. you see the picture of people's new redesign for the Slimer for the new movie? It's just like fanboys. Yeah, oh. no. <laughs> that's the joke is that like it's just, yeah, the Slimer in this movie should just be like the spirit of all the guys complaining about Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, I can totally see genuine complaints of the trailer but like i said mostly i loved all the dudes like literally every dude's like i have complaints it's not that they're women though it's not guys it's not so, that they're women which i i understand i totally get but it's just kind of funny where it's like i have to get out front and say it's not because they're women my first reaction after seeing this trailer mm-hmm. after like hunting down and saving all the kate mckinnon gifts like i possibly <laughs> could which uh-huh. of which there are a whole bunch was just to go on social media uh, just to see what uh, the what the, the like on reddit and 4chan just to see what mm-hmm. everyone's snotty react and it was the, exactly what the reaction was what you'd expect not even of course because on those p- uh, parts of the internet it's not preceded by it's not ghostbuster well they're not even they don't have the pretense of what you're talking about yeah. of like they're just saying fuck this movie and i it's like nine tenths of these guys are guys who weren't even born in, until after the original Ghostbusters movie came out. So uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know if these guys are fans of Ghostbusters mostly because of the cartoon or what. But it's there's this weird generation gap between people like me who grew up with Ghostbusters. I saw Ghostbusters on Halloween night when I was nine years old when it was first out. Sure. And not to say that older well, people are are more accepting, but there is kind of a generation that the most f- frothing, fervent anti Lady Ghostbusters seem to be like the fucking. It's the same age as the, the Gamergate guys. The people who grew up with it on VHS or even DVD and could watch it over and over again. See, and I think the people who kind of grew up as like gen- like the fans of the people who made Ghostbusters are uh-huh. a little more chill about this. Whereas the people who grew up with Ghostbusters is just like this licensed property, mm-hmm. like seem to be the. And it really does fold over into Gamergate because I've noticed a lot of people kicking and screaming about this movie or Gamergaters at the same time too. But like, yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, uh, what? Who? Can- 
We'll see. It's just a fucking trailer. <laughs> There's going to be eight more. The movie doesn't come out for months. Who knows? I do like the big still walking kind of like ghosty alien and stuff. And it looks like Times Square's reverting back to its 70s. I liked the alien design. Yeah. Or the, the, the ghost designs. And you got Chris Hemsworth. And, oh, yeah. Who knows? The, I keep on dr- banging this room. It can't be any worse than Ghostbusters 2. Does this movie have a baby as a central plot element? No. Already better than Ghostbusters 2. I just want this movie to make a lot of money and kick off a series of lady-led remakes. I want Lady Die Hard. What else could you do? I want Lady Die Hard. Eh. Fuck you. I want Lady Die Hard. I I was someone who grew up in an era where the 90s was nothing but Die Hard remakes. Even if it's Lady Fueled, I don't want more Die Hard remakes. I could go for a Lady Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I could see that. I could go for, you know, a a Lady Robocop. Yeah. I could go for... Oh, how do you design a Lady Robocop without it being Just being tit armor? Yeah. Yeah. Without her giant vaginal lips? (laughs) Without it being gross? Well, no, you have to get a hoodie, like, that's... Yeah, Uh I don't know. Anyway, I'm not saying you can't do it, but like... Matthew McConaughey, hey, hey, Imagine the movie you're going to get if you say, hey, Lady... across the desert. And Idris Elba... You just fucking Gina Carano shooting people. How is that gross? No, but I'm saying, but like you put you put a guy's in charge of that lady co- lady Robocop Bill, design. Bill, I just said abstractly make a lady Robocop movie, and you immediately just went to, well. What if the worst elements of the of the creative industry made it? Granted, would that be what happened? Did you see what, what happened possibly? with like, the actual <laughs> when they remade Robocop with a guy? It was still I terrible. Yeah. Did not see that. I Bill, I'm sitting here saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if I this know. is a place of loving possibility, okay. of optimistic ideation? I don't need you to take a steaming dump on it. It's Actually, Gina Carano being all like, I'm Robocop. Because she can't really act super well anyway, so her doing a mod Actually, that would be amazing. Although, as (laughs) Robocop, well, you know what actually would be funny if she was like kind of bionic lady and she's not like, like, she's not obviously a robot, but Uh she can still do her martial arts stuff. Yeah. Except it gets like Inspector Gadget where like her fist can fly. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not making fun of your idea. I'm going to pitch my friend Brenna Zidane on a female Robocop movie because I bet you she'd come up with something really good. What she becomes Lucha, too. <laughs> uh, Matthew McConaughey, hey, hey, fled across the desert, and Idris Elba followed. Bill says evocatively, "Sounds like the new movie may combine the gl- gunslinger with the Jake slash real oh. world half of the wastelands and give Roland the horn of Eid, which justifies any changes to the story." I forgot to digest. That's this. a big <laughs> sentence that makes a lot of sense. I forgot to that me. context. So I did this. So like, Dark Tower garbage. This is the dark. So it was okay. officially announced they are really doing a Dark Tower movie, uh-huh. and that is gonna come out in less than a year jesus it's supposed to be like it's like january 1st 2017 which shows that it's gonna be super low budget get they're gonna dump it in the mid- january Damn. is always a dumping ground yeah. for terrible movies which is funny you would announce it like we're gonna make a big budget movie that we're gonna dump it in january yeah. but so it is gonna be matthew mcconaughey as randall flag who's the vi- biggest villain of he's all the stephen devil, king. Right? yeah he's essentially the devil in stephen king's literary world and idris elba is roland who's the kind of the big like Obi-Wan Kenobi knight-like super badass motherfucker. And uh, yeah, and so uh, I guess the scripts for an earlier version of this film that Mm -hmm. they are using parts of uh, got leaked a couple years ago. So people were just going back to see how like, um, like, like which elements of which books. So so the first book in the Gunslinger Mm -hmm. series is about, it just Elba, his character just goes into town yeah. and murders a whole bunch of people. That's Seriously? the whole first book. Which you can't make a whole movie of that. So yeah. they're just combining some of the later books and stuff. Sure. But it's... We'll see what happens. Yeah. We got Idris Hellboy! Yeah. As, oh, Did you just call him Idris Hellboy? Idris Hellboy. 
that's my name of my new cat. Uh, Idris Elba, is he got a cowboy? Are you going to go see this? Uh, yes. It's Idris Elba. He's cowboy. super sad. Well, so the funniest thing, did I mention last week about how they have it set up in the Dark Tower series? Spoilers no. for the Dark Tower series. That Roland, uh, Idris Elba's character, is stuck doing this. Essentially oh, yeah. like going through the story over and over again. Right. Uh, so at the end of the books, uh, Roland gets to the top of the Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to fight the bad guy, but instead of fighting the bad guy, this time portal opens up and, like, God essentially says, okay, you fucked up. Yeah. We're going to make you do this one last time, but now we've given you this magic horn that you should have picked up on this battlefield earlier that if you have with you the next time, you will actually get to the t- top of the Dark Tower and fight the bad guy for real. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this story, he's supposed to have this magical... Especially, they're setting this up for being the last... Roland's last time through this story. So okay. it justifies any story changes they make from the books, because sure. canonically, that's him going through... Ah, it's it's a whole big thing. It's... But... Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be terrible. It's yeah. gonna be terrible. This yeah. is what I am. I'll go see Idris Elba and Duster, though. That's all I'm really gonna expect from that movie. And I'll probably get it. If they're incorporating parts of the story that sounds like they're gonna... T- there's a part where... Uh, Jake, this boy from our world, gets sucked into Roland's cowboy world through a or- magic monster oracle thing that uh, has to be summoned by one of the characters having sex with it. The lady has the... It's... That's... What? Stephen King having weird sexual politics <laughs> with women? That sounds so she unlike al- him. Not only that, but she almost fucks this monster to death. There's this whole thing in the book where the monster's trying to get out of her vagina and she won't let it and screaming. It's God. the weirdest. And I'm like, how? I, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how they tackle it. I can't believe I've never read these books. <laughs> hey, Bill. Also, this would include the giant bear with the tin hat that you put it. <laughs> God. That should be the first scene in the movie is a bunch of people fighting a giant bear with a tin hat. I mean, don't get me wrong. In a way, there's something appealing to me about a movie that's just random ass weird shit, like the most bizarre D and D campaign this is, on screen. This is what I'm loving about this whole thing, cause like, it's Elsa's Elba as a cowboy, as a tough, battered cowboy, and I know you're probably gonna go yeah. see it. But I know so many other horrible <laughs> things in it that I'm like, oh, this is gonna be. I feel like Wiley e. Coyote. Who has laid down the trap for the Roadrunner <laughs> and set a bird seat? It's Bill. a little pile of Idris Elba. If my expectations were any lower for this movie, <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I'm only explaining this because I'm trying to lower your expectations <laughs> as possible. So okay. if you go see it and it's only right. kind of kind of terrible, at least yeah. you go could have been worse from what Bill said. Could have been worse. So, yeah. Because yeah, okay. right now my expectations are hovering about five feet above the ground on whatever the opposite end of the planet is. And this is me saying it should be about two feet above the ground. Really, <laughs> as bad as you think it is, it could be worse. Oh, but at the same time, I love this series. There's, there is legitimately some of the best things I've ever read in a book have happened in this series. Yeah. But the ratio of that to everything so else. The highs is, are very high, but the lows. Lows so low. are the epic Mariana Trench. <laughs> You're like a little lighthouse, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But hey, Bill, did you know that Joseph Gordon Levitt? Oh no, my phone just turned off. Hold on. Oh no, Joseph Gordon Levitt sh- jumped ship from the Sandman movie after it got bumped from Warner Brothers to New Line, and David S. Goyer was put in charge along with the writer of Final Destination 5. That's and it's everyone's like, wow, I wonder if that had anything to do with the fact that George, Joseph Gordon just Levitt just cool. so jo- I guess George, Joseph Gordon Levitt was going to star and produce in this Sandman movie, he was going to be Sandman, he was going to be. He doesn't play death. He plays dream, right? That's the whole point. Of that. Wow, you were asking the wrong person. I know. I, I feel bad. Also, like, there's all this movie news that about uh-huh. shit you apparently no, don't me care more about. Dark Tower and Sandman. 
Uh-huh. So, well, this is okay. So, New Line. So, I guess. Uh, so, I guess DC has a big deal with Warner Brothers. That, that's why Warner Brothers making all the Superman mm-hmm. movies and shit like too. Which is kind of funny because, like, even when Sandman came out, they had to create like the whole. What was the the what was the subline that DC published? It was the Vertigo line. Vertigo. Yeah. So, I guess New Line is kind of like the Vertigo for for Warner Brothers. So, it's kind of fitting that they would kick it off because New Line started off as like. It was it was like Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. It was yeah. like Warner Brothers like shitty last like a little like where they would put out the genre stuff, which kind of makes sense because like a Sandman movie would be kind of a horror movie, especially if they're because you tried to read Sandman, right? Yeah, the you first, got turned off because it's like fucking horror. The first story. couple of storylines are just like like a fucking. I got as far as the diner where he makes everyone commit suicide. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, no. And assuming this first movie would probably incorporate that stuff, it makes sense they would kind of like try to make a, like a B-budget horror film out of this. But yeah, so we got the writer of Final Destination 5, which again, from a studio perspective, makes sense because you're making this horror movie, so you get the writer of Final... But David S. Goyer is now directing, and he's the guy who, his biggest claim to fame is that like he wrote and directed Blade 3, and... Didn't he help with Batman? He somehow has clung to Batman yeah, yeah, in yeah, a way, yeah. so... Oh, so this is the other thing. Okay, so going back to Dark Tower stuff, mm-hmm. the main writer of that is Akiva Goldman. Who is his biggest claim of fame? He wrote like Batman and Robin and Batman Forever back in the day. Wow. He's one of these people who, if you go back and look at his IMDb thing, totally C-grade writer yeah. of terrible... Like, when you think about Hollywood, just not even terrible stuff, but just middling garbage, mm-hmm. Akiva Goldman, he's written half the movies you would like apply that label to. David Esquire is another... There's, like, a very specific tier of, like, shitty 90s people who kind of got attached to, like, superhero movies in the 90s that, like, all the superhero... Like, Blade and you know, the old Batman movies have now been... Have these writers have somehow managed to cling to Hollywood despite this rise of like newer and better superhero stuff, and it's it's I don't know how these people still have jobs because they were they've never written anything good. And David Goyer is like the, the, the same thing where it's just yeah. So he has a story credit in all of the Nolan Batman movies, yeah. even though no one seems to know exactly what he did. Yeah, like maybe he like uh, like cause no, like he never he brought like, the coffee. You yeah, know? <laughs> like how does he just, just kind of yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, David, he's, he's, she's supposed to be directing this again. It's I always said the Dark Tower movie never get made. Who knows? It's not filming yet. He could still never get made. Mm-hmm. But it's a I'll be surprised if the Sandman movie ever gets made too. Mm-hmm. But I'll know. be heartbroken. I know you'll be devastated. Do we, do we talk about anything else that you actually like? Uh, oh, Disney's next fairy tale animated flick. It's first since Frozen. The Nutcracker. You like the Nutcracker? It's beautiful music. I like I like the scary Nutcracker. I love Tchaikovsky. Yeah. So I mean I'm I've got a big old boner for Tchaikovsky. God, you know, but that I wonder how straight up if it's gonna be if it's gonna be like a bunch of people rapping over the Nutcracker. You know, because they can't. How long is is Nutcracker super long too? I kind of yeah, wonder how you fit like dramatic story. I mean, you, don't, you don't have to. You can maybe just because there are only a handful of tunes that people know from the Nutcracker. I know, yeah. So you just riff on that a little bit, if at all. Uh, I just need to know, is the Mouse King going to be fuckable? That's all I need to know. I hear Amelie lives with <laughs> I'm married to the Mouse King. Did you see we'll back to our, Mimo, our, 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 our Griffin and Justin McElroy corner. But yeah, so did she date the Mouse King? Or is, did uh, the Mouse King, I also, think, the kidnaps mouse king? her. Is he a prince and... that's been turned... Oh, no, is it is the prince that's turned into Nutcracker? Yeah, yeah. That's the whole story. That's fun. How would he get turned into a Nutcracker? It'll be interesting because that will be a male, theoretically a male-led musical you unless so? i mean it's the nutcracker well i thought the dude was i thought the main character was a lady who goes in to save that's the thing it's like is it gonna be about her going to save him so it's like beauty and the beast except instead of a big 
Well, it's more carpet. like Sleeping Beauty sort of thing. Really? If he doesn't talk or anything, he turns into a nutcracker. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What if? What if? What he if the lady goes to his castle? To talk. <laughs> he's like watch. He's like <laughs> he just wobbles in the direction. I'd yeah. like to think it's not anime. It's live action. He's just like the stop motion yeah. nutcracker just walking around. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So. Uh, Uncharted Four delayed once more to make. What are they doing? It was interesting because it wasn't a huge delay. It was only like two weeks. They came out and said it was just something about like just. Did you see it was like the VP of Sony Entertainment? It wasn't like any of the Naughty Dog teams who who put out the release. It was the VP of Sony Computer Entertainment. It was interesting. Maybe they have to put the finishing touches on uh, Nate and Sully's big kiss at the end. (laughs) At this point. At this point, it's I mean it's like it with two weeks. It, it must be that they were hit some sort of manufacturing issue. Oh, that's what issues. everyone's assuming. It's a, either that or like a localization issue because yeah. like they're launching the game in a whole bunch of different territories with different yeah. languages. It's yeah. it's it's not like a technical. It's just clerical stuff. Yeah, whatever yeah, it yeah. is, because it's two weeks. Yeah, there's it's nothing that would affect the actual content of the game yeah. other than like something about it's global because it's launching globally yeah. at the same day. Yeah. So yeah, it's not the end of the world, but still two weeks. Man, Come on, poor, man. Poor it's not the third time this game's been delayed. I mean, it's yeah. only two weeks. It doesn't matter yeah. that much. It's but more still. just yeah. They just wanted to have a news story that wasn't we stole we stole concept art from <laughs> Black Flag. Are so. you going to take the day off for Uncharted Four? No. You you can't because the date keeps on moving around. You can't <laughs> plan for that. No, I am. Um, oh, oh, I see. The is the honeymoon over? The last Uncharted game, Foley and I both took off, and we played it with a friend over the course of like, like we played it. We played literally played the game. From dawn till we fell asleep, and then woke yeah. up the next morning and played right through it. And we, it was too intense. It was too much emotion. Do you go over the, the place where they have the big like projecting TV and all that yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Drake was as big as I was when. I mean, it was a great experience. To get me wrong, but I, it was not the best way to appreciate that game. I would rather play Especially that like this game. This going to be the last Uncharted game. Exactly. Yeah. I want to play that game over a series of evenings and email my Uncharted friends and freak out about the it and not. Not over. Well, you, see, you could still take a day off and just like play it like in in, in chunks, but then you need a couple hours no. to cool down between chapters. Yeah, to, like, see, I learned. My mind is blown. I learned my lesson. That is not a game I mainline. Oh, okay. I savor it like a fine bourbon. But I mainline bourbon too. That's why I can't have it anymore. <laughs> um, Nintendo. Wait, no, hold on. Uh, Super Famicom new 3DS incoming. So this is part of the news with uh, Super Nintendo games coming into the, the 3DS. Is mm. that in Japan? This new 3DS line, uh, they're coming out with the one that's branded with the Super Famicom decal on the front, mm-hmm. which the Super, Cam- Super Famicom is the best-looking video game console of all time. Yeah. Now that they have a DS that looks like a Super Famicom, and it's actually design looks really good. It's really, oh, mm, I saw that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I know some people in Japan, and I'm like, hmm, I'm tempted. But again, it's it like, do I need a new copy of this hardware that's going to be obsolete seemingly by the end of the year when Nintendo announces the DS, uh, the NX or whatever? But... Yeah, but it still looks really good. It I, could, I could spend one hundred ninety dollars on something better. Four copies of Uncharted Four. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Nintendo inked a three hundred fifty million dollar deal with Universal Theme Parks. Uh, no specific details, other <laughs> than somehow this is going to involve a Universal's theme park in Japan. The entrance, uh, they're going to set aside the big area by the entrance. They're going to put some kind of Mario thing there. No one knows what yeah. it is. It's going to be like a roller coaster if it's just going to be a giant robot Mario that says, yeah. that screams at you in Japanese for not for not obeying the weather enough uh-huh. or something like that. But I just, and it's, yeah, Nintendo just trying to get more into theme parks and stuff like that, mm. which they said they would do, but yeah. Uh, it's going to be the gate, and he says, it's an entrance fee! <laughs> <laughs> Man, 
So Jim and Could Carly- you see me thinking feverishly about rhymes with me? <laughs> Could you see it in my eyes? I can hear the gears turning. <laughs> so Jim and Collier, they were here last week, and they were, they, we started talking about Disney Park stuff. Uh-huh. And Jimmy and Conley started talking about how they were... So the biggest Disney park in the world is a thing called Tokyo Disney Sea. It's not a part of... There's a Tokyo Disney, but this is a different park that's by the oceanfront? Oh, C-S-E-A. Yeah, I heard C is in like A-B-C. Yeah, because when they were explaining this to me, I was like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? Instead of a giant castle in the middle, it's got a volcano that shoots fire and fireworks? And so I guess when they were there last time at this super big budget, which is funny because like half the park, it's not even Disney stuff, but it's like Jules Verne stuff. Like it's, it's, it, even though it's, it's the biggest Disney park, it's the least overtly Disney branded park too. Mm. It's kind of weird. Uh, but they were talking about how they were walking past a live stage show one day and they realized it was a big stage show about food. It was like live actors and performers singing in Japanese about the foods of different nations, and they just happened to be walking past the stage show where they were showing what Americans eat, and they were like, they were essentially the only Americans within shouting distance, just having to walk past it. And so, what uh, part of the stage show is? You have a bunch of people dressed like hamburger components trying to put themselves together, but are too stupid to assemble themselves. <laughs> and this is how they they they, they, uh-huh. they show what Americans are like on this Japanese Disney stage show. Yeah. And so Jimmy and Conley actually found a copy of this. Uh, Someone had taped this stage show, and we watched the whole thing last week while they were over here. It's on YouTube. I should put a link to the show notes. It is great because they show, like, what food in Thailand is like. They also have a big thing about Japanese food and a couple of other places. Mm-hmm. We have the American one. It's all, like, football themed. <laughs> the big hamburger comes and comes uh-huh. out. It's about how stupid the hamburger is, and it's about America. Yeah. It's a great, like, yeah. social commentary about America. Yeah. In fact, actually, during more stupid Trump this stuff this week, I saw Conley tweeted... Uh, of course, America would be the only place. In the, of course, Disney would represent America as as, as place as, as a hamburger that's too stupid to put itself together. So yeah, as it it's you had to see it. it was good. It was hilarious. Microsoft is talking about decoupling the Xbox from conventional hardware cycles and taking an Apple style approach to incremental upgrades to the Xbox. This on top of an announcement that Microsoft is essentially merging its PC gaming stuff with Xbox software. Total takeaway is Microsoft trying to turn the Xbox into a kind of sort of gaming PC. Yeah. So what does that mean? Like there'll be an Xbox One Plus? No specifics other than was it Phil Spencer, kind of one of the heads of Xbox, t- just talking to investors this week, just talking about how they're thinking about just instead of having to wait seven years for an upgrade to your hardware that like you could experience in the middle of the hardware cycle, like we could have like an Xbox. Refresh. They're, right? They again, no specifics as to whether or not this would happen to the Xbox One. Although you think they would do that because. I mean, it's underselling so much. I can see from their perspective, it's a way to goose sales. If you suddenly say, hey, now we have finally have a console that's more powerful than the PlayStation it's 4. It's also confusing to a consumer. Well, that's the thing. Well, so this is, and between that and they're talking about how they're trying to make it so that every game, every Microsoft published game that comes out for the Xbox One will now be like released day and date with a PC, mm. uh, PC version. They're, it sounds like their first step of actually trying to get out of the, this could be, yeah, the first step of trying to get out of the PC or the, out of the console space and essentially just turn the Xbox eventually into just essentially a Steam box. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but again, no specific plans. But it's, it's them kind of going out and saying, "Hey, what if we did this?" I don't want gently iterative consoles. That's it's, that's the whole point of console. The whole advantage you of console. console, exactly. You know, I, that's it yeah. for the next five. I'm going to buy a video game. I don't got to worry about no drivers. Don't worry about nothing. Yeah. I just put my game in and not think about it. And again, and 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 instead of goosing micro uh, sales of the Xbox One, this is just even less incentive to know that if you buy an Xbox One, it could get super 
seeded by another hardware update in just mm-hmm. two years. It's even less reason to want to buy an Xbox. Yeah. Because they're assuming their product is like iPhones are unless they have a system that Apple now has where you get some money back when you upgrade to a new like mm-hmm. it's you're not, they're not asking you always to just drop seven hundred dollars every year on a new phone. There's some kind of system where if you hand in your old phone you get like credit towards a new phone. They have to have something for the consoles. Because if they're going to try to do an Apple thing, they need to go all the way and have like a plan like Apple has. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Know, but they probably won't because they're Microsoft and they don't think that far ahead. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know. But that's that's crazy to think Microsoft might be thinking about. They may do something like if you upgrade, maybe you get X amount of time with Xbox Live free or but something. Yeah, this might yeah. be the end of the micro- Xbox brand as we know it. Really, I mean, the Xbox brand will still be around. But if they sure. actually did go through with that, that would be a fundamental change to consoles. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, a Mass Effect ride at Six Flags. Is this old news, or is this the first time I'm hearing about this? This this news came out a while ago. Or at least the news that they had a deal that there was a Mass Effect ride possibly in development out of Six Flags. My joke was that it's just a wall of rubber butts and faces you can kiss and rub your genitals against. (laughs) That talk back at you while you do it. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a grim production (laughs) of Mass Effect there, Bill. What what would your ideal Mass Effect ride be? You asked me something I have never... Bill, you could have put any noun in front of the word, or descriptor in front of the word ride, theme park ride, and I would not have an answer for you. What? Attraction. See, I don't really... When I go to a theme park, the only rides I really like to go on are... I like me a log flume, and I like, like, the narrative rides, where you like, like kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean sort of thing, where you just sit yeah. in the thing and you're taken through vignettes. Well, dark ride, yeah. Those are the things I enjoy. And those are two things that no one gives a shit about. So I'm asking, you're asking what the wrong person. What if the Mass Effect ride is, there's a long line, yes. and you get to the front of the line, and you open a <laughs> you curtain. You ride an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awkward simulated conversation. Voice telling you the story of Mass Effect, then you get out at the end. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. Don't don't ask a person with vertigo issues what their favorite theme park ride is. No, you get you walk through the curtain and it's an empty French restaurant, and in the middle it's just Garrus at 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 a table, and you have dinner with Garrus, and then you leave, and you have a charming Bon Mott. I lived in where I lived in Fort Worth, Texas. I was really near Six Flags over Texas, which I think is the first Six Flags park. And regardless, it, has, it is the best. I don't know. It has, uh, I mean, it, it has a lot of old, weird rides. Like, it had a dark ride that was um, a Looney Tunes-themed thing, oh, yeah. where it was, like, Bugs Bunny trying to one-up Yosemite Sam, and I always loved that one. And it had, like, a bunch of old Model T Fords on tracks that you could drive around. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. An area. Like, were you, like, going to Toontown or something like that? No, or? that was just, like, you were just driving through the oh, park okay, yeah. on this Model T Ford that was on a rail, so you couldn't get through far off. But you could still, like, <laughs> you could just kind of point it around on the yeah. track. I mean, that was the kind of shit that I liked because I've always had dizziness problems. So if I go on roller coasters, I know I'm going to be dizzy for 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, I can't go on any crazy drop rides or anything. Like, I just couldn't do that shit. So I don't get to go on any Really? Mar- like, instead of, like, a ride, it should just be an attraction. It just build the inside of the Normandy or something. Have Dude, you walk no, around it's, and... it's going to be... if To be in a theme park, it has to appeal to the broadest uh, audience. It's going to be like when they announce, oh, they're going to make an Aerosmith ride. It's just going to be a fucking roller coaster that a logo is slapped on, yeah. too. Like, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Let's be honest here. It's not Harry Potter. This is not going to be something that will get people to go. Well, to that's one to imagine what you would do if you that had. That is the, true. You know, you know what? You're right. I'd be the asshole talking about a Lady Robocop movie in this situation. Bill, what's your ideal? It would be uh, you'd be writing Gina Carano. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I was like, you know, Santiago would actually be a really good Ash. I think Santiago would be a good Ashley from Mass Effect. 
Oh, I'm thinking like from from Evil Dead for a second. No, 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 no. no. Well, okay, okay. Well, Mass Effect 2D cast for everyone. Like, what's again? This is not a game I'm good at or enjoy. I don't yeah, know. Andre Brower <laughs> just cast it as for the cast of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Actually, Terry Crews is Rex. Yeah, that's what's going on. Or Garrus. I'd accept that too. Uh, but Rex is Rex is only talk about is Gina is, is Chelsea Perry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because she goes up to Garrus. Like, How you doing? It's all renegade. Uh, um, no, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know she is, yeah. She's technically working for good, but she's doing it in the most underrated way possible. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, she dances too. It actually yes. works out. <laughs> oh my okay. god. Anyway, um, hey everybody, did you know? Uh, rest in peace, Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica CBX chief Gary Hutzel. So Gary Hutzel, he really was just guy in charge of all the vi- uh, visual effects for uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation Is and CBX New Space Nine. Computer visual effects. V- which one? Is CVX computer visual VVX? effects? VVX. You wrote no. CVX. Oh no, I miswrote oh, CVX. Isn't CVX like the, the the Normandy? Isn't that like it's CVX? It sounds like some sort of disease. <laughs> I meant to type VFX. Was uh, actually that also sounds like venereal <laughs> fucking uh-huh. X chromosome? Oh uh, yeah, no, but he was just in charge. Yeah, he's the guy who was just like in charge of all this. But he was the guy who said the Enterprise should go whoosh instead of whoosh, uh-huh. and the defiant when it goes through the wormhole, like it should be pink rather than blue. When they were staring at the concept art, trying to figure out why the Enterprise looked weird, he was the one who came over and just turned the paper upside down, and they're like. <laughs> Yes! So, you figured it out! He died of old. Uh, R.I.P. Tony Dyson, toy maker and original builder of R2-D2. He died of old. He's the guy, he was the toy maker in England who, uh, when they said, we need to find someone who built a robot. And they're like, oh, this guy builds robots. And so he was the guy who built, like, the eight robot copies for the first you know, Star Wars hmm, interesting. movie. So, yeah. He was old because that movie was made 40 years. That's one of those things. How did he die? The movie was made 40 years ago. How do you <laughs> How think? He- and he was like 40 when he made that. He died of being 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. And rest in peace, the inventor of email. Tell me more. Man, the inventor of email. Yeah, so this was a guy. He, actually, this guy was born in like 1941. That dude goes down with the inventor of the printing press well, as people who fundamentally changed the way we yeah, communicate in the world. He was one of the scientists that uh, working on the ARPANET, you know, which is that mm-hmm. collegiate, you know, it was, a, it was the version of the internet before the internet was the internet. And he was the guy to go, oh, okay, well, if we're going to text messages to each other, he was like, okay, he was the one who came up with the idea that like you should have username, ats. Mm-hmm. Like server name, mm-hmm. came up. He was the one who came up with that, and kind of the basic idea of like, okay, let's like just solidify this whole text messaging thing. We're going okay, like, yeah. It's not like he woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to yeah. email today. But like the little messaging system, he yeah. kind of came designed the protocol for. They be- that became emails and things. Mm-hmm, so yeah, mm-hmm. man, he died uh, again. He died because he did that like forty years ago. Yeah. He died old. Yeah. Oh my God, Nutsville. Enough death already. Everyone go see Zootopia, I guess. What's everyone's raving about. Because it's about racial politics. I think it's because Zootopia is one of those movies that everyone's kind of like, okay. And then they can see it and they're like, oh, that's pretty good. Well, I think it's, it's also because like, America's in such a nasty place right now. It's like, oh, a movie. It's a, it's a fun Disney movie. Uh-huh. That's about, so it's about acceptance. Yeah. Which is funny because I've been, I, last two weeks, I keep on making jokes about how I keep on getting thrown out of see, screenings. I was Zootopia. about to say. Now I'm like, oh, actually, I have a legitimate interest in seeing Zootopia. How hilarious is it that a movie about acceptance is giving everyone an excuse to make fun of furries? <laughs> wow. Fuck all of you. Bill, you've been making jokes nonstop <laughs> for the past few weeks about how you're going to be thrown out of the Zootopia screenings. <laughs> For masturbating. Bill, that is literally making fun of 
furries. That has been your only context for talking about this movie. I would like to think that the end song, which is in Zootopia, that is all about acceptance, is still like Asterix fuck furries. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, uh, that's what cracked me up is when everyone's like, wow, this movie's about acceptance. I'm like, take the beam from your own eyes, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh my God. The other thing too, I was going to make you watch the International House of Pancakes commercial that I, that I keep on. What? Did you not see the thing? I need to make you watch in real time. How about something while I put... Yeah, because I want... Did I never make you watch this? What I have no idea what you're talking about. Man, literally, I got the depression and work was crazy this week. I did nothing but watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then loop around to the start of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Boyle would make it pretty good. Garris? Not Garris. Who's the scientist guy? Oh, uh, Morton? Was <laughs> I know? Uh, like, Andre Brower, who's the captain? Who's the, not the captain, but who's the guy you report to in Mass Effect? Oh, uh... uh what do you know what's his name? About? What? What's his face? What's his name? Yeah. That's too obvious, though. You can't just say... Well, also, she's also voiced by a black guy, so it's a little like, yeah. What? My God, what's the name of your commanding officer in... <gasps> Shame on me. Snickles Hemperton. I am so embarrassed. Um. I can't remember his name. <sighs> Shame on me. What is it? We can't... Because you have... You read out his apartment in the DLC. See, this is the commercial I've been talking about. It's I will play because is this worth having the audio on the podcast? Right? What is happening? This is an IHOP commercial from 1969. VCR distortion is not helping it any. A little orphan Annie grew up and it's in this commercial. <laughs> months ago but like we found this last night while DJing YouTube videos when friends are over the house designed for the very hungry family Uh, it's just a bunch of people like in a, in a field with uh, things. The best part is someone also took that audio and slowed it down to see what the guy singing that song oh, sounded yeah? like in real life. Oh boy! Oh God! What a fever dream! That's the why I just want to leave everyone else to note off today. Oh, I was going to say, next time you guys are DJing YouTube stuff, do you ever use YouTube the uh, app on either the Xbox or the PS4 when doing that? No, because we don't have a console hooked up upstairs. Oh, the Joseph, only, stop playing consoles. The only reason why I say it at all is that one thing I noticed, because oh I hooked God. up uh, I hooked up the my phone to my PS4 and stuff to drive and everything, because it's easier to do when using the YouTube app. Do you have an iPhone? I have a fucking Android. Okay, that's what I say, yeah. It doesn't matter. Oh, really? Yeah, it's agnostic. But what's great is that once it's hooked up, you can just add to a playlist. So, like, if I'm watching a video on the TV, and meanwhile I'm looking on my phone for the next video, I can just add it to the playlist. Oh, okay, that's nice. And just be queuing up additional content that'll just play. Oh, that is nice, because, like, 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 when you're DJing a bunch of videos for a bunch of people, like, there's a lull, and you're trying to find an old thing. Like, there was, like, kids... 
it, a kids fail compilation that I was trying to find that was actually legitimately actually kind of a funny compilation uh-huh. that I favorited like three months ago and I had to go through my favorites <laughs> to find it again. And so there's like ten minutes last night where everyone's kind of like, because it was kind of everyone was tired of laughing and tired of talking to each other, so yeah, everyone's kind of staring at each and, other. Yep. Yeah, because uh-huh. it was like yeah, ten o'clock at night on a Saturday. We're just kind of yeah. So uh, we'll wrap up this podcast so I, so I can make. Uh, Annie, watch a girl God. freaking out about the theme from Jaws. <laughs> okay, all right, friends. As <laughs> always, this was the Boy Hattie Podcast. Um, also, I have a fantastic commercial for tampons I need to watch. God, we're, watch. Um, we're at Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. BoyHattiePodcast.com is our website. Uh, we will talk to y'all next week about more pop culture garbage. Yeah. I love you. So Stay tell safe. us who you think would be the best Brooklyn Nine-Nine characters to be. <laughs> Man, that's where you can have sex with all those characters. Rosa would be great as Mass Effect 3 Jack, actually. Really? The yeah. shaved head and everything like well, that? Yeah, and just like... But like... she would already be... Rosa Diaz? I thought you were saying she would make a good Ashley. No, 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 no. I said Santiago. Oh, Santiago. Oh, I got the two. Santiago okay. would be a good Ashley. Oh, she would be. But she'd, yeah. be, she'd be such like a happy speciesist. Happy racist. Yeah, yeah. should be so literally like, a racist. I, I yeah. hate the Krogans. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, friends, we'll see y'all next week. Okay. Take care, guys. Just for the fun of it. God, that's what a nightmare. <laughs> what a fever dream. <laughs> Who thought of that? You know, they were like, you know, we're gonna sell pancakes <laughs> to people. Of I. That's okay. Anyway, goodbye, guys. <laughs>